Holy Spirit, change our lives today. We ask in that wonderful, almighty name of Jesus. Amen. Grab a seat. Before the church was birthed, we read that Jesus himself said in Acts chapter 1 and verse 4 and then 8, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. Speaking of the Holy Spirit. Verse 8, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me. Tell the person next to you, loud as you can, you shall receive power. Come on, online, do it as well. You shall receive power. Amen. So Christianity, the church was birthed with great power. Great power. I said great power. That's what birthed the church. That's what birthed the Christianity. You can only live a successful Christian life with great power. And the church can only be a force in this world with great power. You know, and that's what they went out and they turned the world upside down. A powerless Christianity and a powerless church will never change our world. I don't even think it's going to interest our world that much. So today I'm fighting once again to restore the power of God to the church. How on earth we ever lost it, I have no idea. But we lost it, we have, but it's time to go down to the enemy's camp and take back what he has stolen from us. Is anyone ready to come to the camp and and fight the enemy and bring back the power of God? 1 Corinthians 4 verse 20, the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. I don't know about you, I'm done with words. I've heard enough words. Don't give me another sermon. Give me power. Give me power, because <laughs> my life needs changing, and so does yours, even if you don't think it does. You know, I, I reckon, friends, I reckon it's time for the lame to walk. I want to see some wheelchairs and some crutches on display out in our foyer as people walk in, and they think, wow, what happened to this place? Friends, it's time for the blind to see and the ears to be opened. I want to see a whole lot of hearing aids and glasses stacked up somewhere. That this is a church where there is the power of God. It's time for the dead to be raised. I want to see some empty coffins in the foyer. <laughs> what do you reckon? I reckon in the early church, they, I, re- I don't know if they had coffins back then. I'm sure they had that kind of stuff. There was a display of God's amazing power. It's time to see cancers healed, heart diseases, diabetes, arthritis, back pain. The list goes on. Addictions broken, captives set free. Jesus said, I came to set the captives free. And yet most of us are still captives to something. We shouldn't be. Tell the person next to you, you shouldn't be captive to anything. <laughs> you shouldn't be. I love this quote by Bill Johnson. Our mandate is simple. Raise up a generation that can openly display the raw power of God. Woo! 
Who likes that? The roar. That's coffins in the foyer, folks. That's wheelchairs, empty ones up here. That's the raw power of God. And friends, we got to, you know, if we want to reach the next generation, we want to reach any generation, let alone the next one, any generation, we have to show them a Christianity that works, a Christianity that changed people's lives, a Christianity that sets people free. And so I've come up with this, uh, uh, this triple quote here. It's going to come on the screen for you. This is a picture of the future church. What we want, what you want is power, not program. Passion, not polish. Presence, not policy. That's what we need, folks. In fact, I reckon that would go well on social media. Somebody tweet it. Someone put it on Instagram right now, quick. And so it can go all around the world because I'll repost it if it's good enough. All right. So <laughs> I found myself, I was telling Team Unlimited, uh, praying a prayer recently I've never prayed before. And it was the Holy Spirit. And I said, God, would you help me to usher in a move of God? I thought, wow, that's an amazing prayer. I've always prayed for revival. I've prayed for a move of God. But God actually, the Holy Spirit actually saying, Tuck, I want to help you to usher in a move of God. And if there's a prayer that the Holy Spirit put in my heart, he is going to help us to do this. To see who's keen on a move of God. We're going to usher one in, friends, by the power of God. John G. Lake, through divine healing, made Spokane in the United States the, most, uh, the, the, the healthiest city in the world. That's what he had. So much, uh, uh, so much power uh, that he was able to do that. But the key to it was, friends, an angel visited him. And he had a vision. And in the vision, this is what was said to him. Uh, he said, uh, the angel opened the Bible at the book of Acts. So if you're in the Bible, we've got your phone. Open it up at the book of Acts right now. Because this is what the angel said to him. And I've got my book I've got, I'm open here at Acts chapter 13. That's on page 765 if you're struggling to find it. And uh, the Holy Spirit drew his attention to how the Spirit was poured out in the early church. Mm. The angel said, this is Pentecost as God gave it. And the angel said, contend for this. Contend. Everyone say contend. See, friends, these don't things don't fall out of the sky. You gotta fight. You gotta contend. Happy clappy is not gonna do it, folks. It's time to fight. It's time to fight. Get a bit of grunt. Let's go down to the enemy's camp. Let's take back what he's stolen. You see, friends, I think we've forgotten that this is a fight. This is a battle against the powers of darkness. And if we don't fight, the enemy's just going to take away from us over and he's going to take this off us and that off us and every other thing, he's just going to take it off us unless we stand up and we say, hold on a moment, devil. You know, you have got a fight on your hands because I'm not allowing you to take anything more from us. In fact, I'm coming down to you. I'm going to take back everything that you have stolen from us. Friends, tell the person next to you, it is time to fight. Now tell them, put on your boxing gloves. That was pretty quiet. Put on your boxing Anyway, let's continue with this story here. So this is what he said, because here's the main part. As the angel was departing, he said, pray, pray, pray. Teach the people 
to pray. That's what we're doing tonight. He said, prayer and prayer alone. Much prayer, persistent prayer, is the door of entrance to the heart of God. Pray, pray, pray. Persistent, ongoing, consistent, passionate, unrelenting prayer is the doorway to the heart of God and to the power of God and to restore it to the church. You see, another Pentecost depends on the prayers of God's people. Every Pentecost has come through persistent and passionate prayer. My question I'm asking, and I say this around New Zealand and wherever I get opportunity, I, I keep asking and challenging the question, when will the church begin to truly cry out to God and pray and bring back the power and the presence and the glory of God to His house? When will it arise, friends? And I trust that it's going to arise sooner than later because we need it to. I've never felt so desperate, I don't know about you, for the power of God. Because I see the incredible needs of people and of society. And there's come this holy dissatisfaction within me. And you'll probably keep hearing about this weeks and months to come. There's a desperation. And friends... I want you to note something. Desperation is a gift from God. Because, see, progress comes from desperation. Once you get desperation, desperation will cause you to do things you never thought you would do. And it'll cause you to do things you never wanted to do. That's what, see, desperation drives us. But if we don't have desperation, we just continue on and nothing ever changes. So I'm so desperate, friends, that And I I say this very reluctantly, but it may just inspire a few other people. You know, for the last year now, I've been fasting two days a week. Not just on Thursday. I've added Tuesday and Thursday. Thursday wasn't getting the job done. So I thought, well, God, I've got to push in further to this. And by the way, the early church fasted two days a week. Tell the person next to you, did you know the early church fasted two days a week? Just tell them nice and loud. So now, now say to them, so why aren't you? Do we want what the early church want? Put up your hand if you want what the early church wants. Oh, not too many hands anymore. <laughs> hey, we want what they want. <laughs> See, friends, we want it all <laughs> without understanding the conditions. <laughs> You've got to pay the price if you want the power. <laughs> so, and by the way, how many of you love John Wesley? Brought one of the greatest revivals of all time, the Methodist Church. Do you know that his followers... He encouraged, inspired his followers to fast two days a week as well. So there's a history, friends, but I think there has to come a desperation before we're going to step into some of these things. Um, And also, so if that's not enough, do you want to hear some more? We are now, I I am, I am, there's a few others going to join me. Uh, So we're now starting a revival prayer meeting. It's going to be every Thursday, 7 to 9 p.m., Straight after the Thursday night prayer service. It's going to be up in the creche in the parent lounge area. area and uh, you're welcome to come. You can come to all of it or part of it. But we charge you to come now. It's $100 if you want to come and pray for revival. But if, if you're part of Church Unlimited, we might let you in for free. All right. Now listen. 
Do I want to pray for another two hours on a Friday, Thursday night? Absolutely not. I mean, I'm, I'm already thinking, gosh, what am I doing? Desperation drives you to do what you never thought you would do. I never thought I'd do this. Am I crazy? Probably am. It's going to take a bit of craziness to get this job done because the non-craziness hasn't got us very far. Is that right? So two hours a day, two hours extra. And so I fully believe, friends, as we do this, we're going to see the spiritual climate of Church Unlimited begin to change. It's going to start to ramp up more and more. And I think in time, we're going to see a revival. So here's a challenge. Why not consider being a part of the group that brings a revival? Because I'm, I'm thinking and suggesting that possibly in years to come, there's going to be history books written. And they're going to write in that book, oh, down in West Auckland, there was a revival took place. There was a group of people in Church Unlimited. They began to pray two hours extra on a Thursday night. And that led to this incredible revival in West Auckland. And, uh, and, but there was no discernible leader of the, the amazing thing was, no discernible leader except for the Holy Spirit. Because he was the one who brought the revival. Just imagine that in the history. Anyone can believe that for that? Because yeah. we got any faith? Has got some faith in this place? That's just what I'm thinking. So because I, I'm reading, I'm reading about revivals these days. And I'm finding them very, very interesting. Edwin Orr, an expert on revival, asked this question: What, in your opinion, is the greatest hindrance to world revival? And he's written on this massively, and he's replied: The indifference of believers themselves. There's no problem with the world, friends. It's the indifference. I guess a lack of difference. But, uh, you know, there's many in this place and online as well who are not indifferent. I know there's a rising tide of hunger in Church Unlimited. It's spreading from left to right and front to back. There's a cry ascending from the hearts of many in church. We are not indifferent. And, uh, you know, so we're gonna, we will rise to this and we'll see God make a massive difference in our, our nation. See this rising tongue, tide of fire. And friends, I believe that God will answer with fire. That's what he did in the early church. God, I said, God will answer with fire. God will, everyone say fire. Come on, fire. Say it a bit louder. Fire. Tongues of fire. You know, when the day of Pentecost will fully come, they're all in one place in one accord. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven of a rushing mighty wind, filled the whole house where they were sitting. And then there appeared to them cloven tongues as a fire. And it sat upon each, one, each of them. And they all filled with the Holy Spirit, began to speak with other tongues as the, as the Spirit gave them utterance. And the people began to complain. Peter stood up with the eleven and he said, these are not drunk as you suppose. This is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. He said, in the last days, I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. Upon my men servants and my maidservants, I'll pour out my spirit in those days. These are the sound of the last days, friends. There's going to come a sound. There's going to come a rattling. There's going to come a shaking. I've got to preach on Ezekiel 37 real soon because that was all about the valley of dry bones that God prophesied into the dry bones through Ezekiel and they rose to their feet an exceedingly great army. I'm out to raise up an exceeding great army that's going to transform this nation and turn it back to Jesus. 
That's the mission heart of God for myself and for Church Unlimited. Feel free to join me. Come to that uh, revival prayer meeting if you like. But listen to this. The great revival in North Korea, Pyong, it's called the Great Pyong Yang Revival, 1907 to 1910. Mm. It was preceded by months of prayer by approximately 20 people. I thought, ooh. When I read that, I thought, ooh. Just 20? In the first year, 50,000 were saved. I'm saying, God, I've started a prayer revival meeting. Give me 20. Give me 20. That's all we need. If we have more, that's great. Give us 20. Can shake this nation to the core. Can turn it to Jesus. Can see the spirit break out. Can see I'm a little bit stirred about this. I need to be. Because <laughs> if I'm not, I'll fall asleep while I'm there. There's another church of 250. They began a 5 a.m. prayer meeting. Aren't you thankful that ours is 7 p.m.? <laughs> 5 a.m. prayer meeting. It was amazing. They said after six months. This doesn't tend to take long is what I'm seeing as I'm reading through revivals. If it's, if it's spirit birthed, if it's spirit birthed, and I, I really felt God say, I want you to usher in a move of God. And I think I, I, think I hear, I'm pretty, I can get it reasonably accurate at times, not all the time, but I can. Just six months. It was a small church of 50 people, and then the Holy Spirit was poured out in an amazing, amazing way. Friends, it doesn't take so many people. I mean, hey, the more the, more, the better. I think it's, it, it adds, the more people adds to it. You may be sitting there thinking that you're, you know, we often think about our voice, and you know, we speak and we preach, and you may feel, as you sit and listen to me, you may think, well, I don't really have a very powerful voice. In fact, when I speak, people really don't listen that much and they don't take note of what I say. I my voice doesn't have much influence. I'm getting to a point here. There's good news. See, the most powerful voice of all time is the voice of prayer. You don't need a flash, eloquent voice to have influence. See, powerful preaching will move the hearts of men. But simple prayer will move the hand of God. We don't need more powerful preaching, friends. We just need more simple prayers. And move the hand of God. As I preach to you today, I have the sense in my heart that God is waiting to be, to be caused to move his hand. You see, we have to give earthly license for heavenly interference. And I believe God is waiting to interfere. I believe God is longing to break out. I believe God is longing to set you free. 
from your pain and your addiction and your hurt and your brokenness and your sickness and your, you know, all the other things you strive. I believe God, it's, there's no reluctance on God's part, friends. But somehow the, the, the legal requirement or the biblical pattern of Scripture is, you know, you have to ask. You just have to ask. For it. You just have to ask. God says, you have not because you asked. And I changed that. You have not because you've not asked enough. You've got to ask and keep asking and keep asking. God is not reluctant, friends. God is not reluctant. God is not reluctant. He's waiting. He's yearning. He's longing to break out in His church, to break out in your heart, to break out in your life. He's longing to set you free. He's longing to change you. He's longing to heal you. He's longing to move in your family, to restore your relationship, to give you a great marriage. God is longing. I'm telling you, He's longing. He's yearning. He's aching, friends. He loves you so much. He's saying, give me permission. Give me license. And watch what I will do. That's off script. The longing heart of God. The breaking heart of God. That's what I feel. He's breaking to break out. He's yearning to touch your life. You know, sometimes we think that, God, where are you? Why aren't you doing something? If I'm discerning the heart of God right today, friends, he is absolutely brokenhearted in his longing to change your life. His longing to work in you what needs to be worked. His longing to see your circumstances changed and transformed. Friends, people question the love of God. Friend, look at Calvary. Just look at the cross. Look at the cross. If you want to see the love of God, of his longing and his desire for you. He yearns for you. There's an amazing quote by Martin Luther King, who said the ultimate measure of a man is not when he, where he stands in moments of comfort and convenience, but where he stands in times of challenge and controversy. We're in times of challenge and controversy. Anyone agree with me on that? And our nation, nations of the world, Here's my question. Where do you stand? Could I put it differently? What are you doing? What will you do? You know where I stand. You know what I'm prepared to do. Fast, pray, seek God. Surrender as best I can. That's the measure of a man, the ultimate measure. So where do you stand? Online, in the house. Where, where do you stand? And I'd like to just rephrase that by, so what will you do? Just ask yourself that question. Say, what will I do? 
Do what you can. Will you rise to the challenge of these dark days? Step up to the plate and hit a home run for Jesus. You can do it. It's in you. It's in you to do it. All the power of the Godhead's in you to do this. You can make a mighty change, a mighty difference in your world of influence. Friends, you can do this. You have more to show for your life than that currently is showing right now. You can do so much more. It's just a matter sometimes where you just got to make a decision and say, okay, I will stand up and I will do what I can and I will make a difference. I will bring change. I will bring transformation. I'll be a part of the answer, not part of the problem. We can do this, friends. You can do this. It's within your grasp. Well, I'm a third of the way through my message and my time's just about gone. I had a phone call. From a senior member of parliament. Very senior. And as he chatted to me, he shared his deep concern about the state of the church. He began to talk about 2 Chronicles 7.14. If my people. He was basically asking me the question, why is it that the church is not praying with the passion it should be, nor fasting? And I thought to myself, think this through, folks, with me. Here's a politician lecturing a pastor. I said, hold on a minute. I should be lecturing you. Get your act together. It's the other way around. I thought, this is a sad state of affairs. I mean, you know what mess is down there. Hello? And they're lecturing us? Well, not all of them, obviously. That's why tonight, we're going to satisfy 2 Chronicles 7.14, if my people... We're going to pray. We're going to do our part. We can do what we can. That's all we can do. We can't get the whole church of New Zealand praying, but we can pray ourselves. If you feel free to join us. If you're concerned about the legislations on euthanasia, if you're concerned about um, <laughs> on drug abuse, you know, even the abortion things, all that, if that concerns you, friends, I'm telling you, hear me well, there's only one answer. There's only one thing, you know, all the protests, you know, all the referendums you like. There's only one thing that can change the narrative of this nation, and that is prayer. It's simple. It is not rocket science. It is not complex. It's not complicated. But every demon spirit in hell has one mission in your life. Listen well. That's to stop you praying. He doesn't care what else you do. He doesn't care if you make a lot of money. He doesn't care if you get, you get promoted. He doesn't care, care if you, you, know, you have a fantastic family, though he'll try and stop that as well. He doesn't care if you have a whole lot of good friends. He doesn't care if you have a lot of influence. He doesn't care if you have a lot of position. But he does care if you start to pray. Because he knows when you pray, you are a threat to his kingdom. You are a, you are a holy rebel doing a, a damage to the enemy's camp. Listen again, every demon spirit from hell, I believe, or many of them, have one mission in your life. I've got to stop you praying. Tell the person next to you, he's got to stop you praying. (laughs) 
Speak back to them and say, he's not going to stop me. Come on, announce the advice. He's not going to stop me. <laughs> oh, I've got two minutes. Are you all right out there, by the way? You're doing... yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, that's why I said people want uh, passion. Uh, and so I try and give you that. A bit of passion. Try and calm it down every so often. I try and calm myself down, but I'm not, not very successful. Edmund Burke said, the only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men to do nothing. Jesus, help us. We're good men, aren't we? We're good women. I'll say it over you. You're a good man. You are. Washed in the blood of the Lamb. You're a good woman. You're good young people. We're good. It's great to be good. Better to be good than bad. Is it not? But for evil to triumph, all it needs is for good people like you and me, the church, to do nothing or do very little or simply not do enough. So what can we do? Well, I've mentioned most of it already. You can pray. You can fast. If that's too hard. <laughs> we can surrender. You know, we can sacrifice maybe deny ourselves but take up our cross daily that Jesus talked about it's just some things that we can do reach out to others maybe we can just fulfill the great commission but my final statement is this I refuse to stand by and watch this nation fall further and further into the abyss and away from God. No fireman sleeps while the city burns. Amen.